I'm thankful for the worship this morning. It was incredible. Thank you for, for all those words of encouragement. Um, I almost thought, wow, I must have picked the wrong message in the wrong time. This should be talking about the walking in that hope and light. And, but I actually am going to. This is what I feel is the subject that I'm talking about. And so this, we're continuing on another uh, one of the gifts of the Spirit. So this morning it's on prophecy. And uh, um, I am glad that Sarah asked me to do these two. Words of Knowledge was last week because these are where I live my life um, and have for since I started serving God. So I really enjoy them. And so I like speaking about them. Prophecy is a little harder, and you'll, uh, harder is not the word. It's, it's deeper. I think it takes longer than order knowledge um, to understand it because the Bible is filled with prophecy. I remember when I felt the Lord told me, I've called you to be a prophet. I'd have been serving God for six months. I knew nothing. So I, what did I do? I went home and read the Old Testament. Biggest mistake of my life. Cost me about 10 years of ministry um, because it isn't anything like that. The Old Testament is, is a different dispensation, a different time, a different thing. So this morning, if you want to do that first slide, Caleb, I have a, the pre-ramble. And I know you've heard this, but it's one of the things with being prophetic is God stays on your case and you don't have a choice. You don't feel like you have a choice. I could do whatever I wanted but I feel to be faithful to God. I gotta hammer this home. You gotta remember you're across the line. Remember I talked about this last week, Jesus Christ who is death, burial and resurrected moved us across the line. We are now saved and free from death, hell and sin and we have eternal life. Unfortunately, fortunately your spirit stays here forever, but you could take your body back across the line and live the most disgusting life possible and still, Jesus will take you to heaven. It's you get to choose. Bad choice, but you do get to choose. The amazing thing is, and, and this is my personal feeling about mercy and grace, God's mercy, and I know there's lots of discussion about this because I've read hundreds of guys on it, but God's mercy is his choice to come down and say, I really don't care what you did, and you can't fix it but I can, and I love you, so I'm gonna fix it. So he died on the cross. That's his mercy for us. His grace is the ability for us to walk in it. Not earn it, not perform, but he gives us the grace to stay on this side of the line. God's, so when you are on this side of the line and, and there's this temptation sitting over there waving his flag saying, come on over here, this is a blast. And it probably is for your flesh. I have found that most sin is a lot of fun, unfortunately. <clears throat> At least the ones I commit are, to some degree. <laughs> for me, they may not be fun, fun for anybody else. But that's waving over there, and you know what? I can, I can say, wow. And then I go, oh, wait a second, God. I know you've given me the ability to resist this. With every temptation, he makes a way of escape. There's a doorway, a hatch. No matter how far I slide down that slope, there's a door being propped open where God said, come out here. Stop right here. Don't go any farther. Quit, 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 quit. That's the cool thing about God. That's his mercy and grace. You are special because Jesus loves you and made you in his image, not because of anything you do. And we have all been called, every single one of us, to be a light to those in the world, whether they are saved or not. 
you do realize that, well, um, Michelle just gave a testimony about it. Her friends and fellow people were a light to her in a hard time. That's what we're called to be. We're not just called to be light to people who are lost. We're called to be light to one another. Um, I, my daughter was light to me when we were going through a hard time. I'm not going to go into the story because I don't have time, but wow. And she just looked me in the face. It was a harsh light. What's the matter with you, Dad? God has been watching over you and taking care of this and made this all happen. Who does this woman think she is? She can do this. She doesn't stand a chance. And she was right. And I needed to see that bright light. Okay, so this morning, next slide, I'm going to be talking about prophecy. How does it work in the church? Is it designed only to work in the church, or is it given to us for more than that? Actually, we are called to be the same all the time. And we are all called to be prophetic because God is prophetic and we were created in his image and every one of us can be prophetic. In fact, um, gosh, I'm horrible. My brain is racing because I'm preaching a message and names just slip right by. What? Yes, Ashley, sorry. <laughs> Looking right at her, I can't get the name to come. In the good time and the bad times, God's the same, and he made us so we can be the same. And so God's prophetic nature can guide us through life, can be our light to our feet, a lamp set out in front of us. Amen? And in fact, it's irrelevant. Now, next one. This is my second preamble. I have two. The Father's grace, the gift of prophecy, this is in um, Romans 12, the Father's grace, gift of prophecy, or perceiver, we like to use the word perceiver, the Holy Spirit's gift of prophecy, and Christ's gift of prophet are different gifts. It's critical that we understand that they are three different things. The perceiver gift is given to everybody as, and I think almost everybody has all seven of those, but you have them in greater degree. And so the perceiver gift, it doesn't matter whether you're saved or not. It was in you at the moment of creation when God conceived you in the womb. You have those propensities towards those gifts. They're not given to you. That's my belief. Romans, 1 Corinthians 12, are for every single one of us to use whenever the Holy Spirit says, hey, here's a tool for this situation, and he gives it to you. And it's so for everybody. There is no handing out. Ephesians 4 gifts is given to individuals to be that way. But, and this is, this is a big but, you, the reason, everybody's called to be apostolic, to be an ambassador for Christ. That's what apostles are, ambassadors for Christ. Everybody's called to be that. Everybody's called to be pastoral, to take care of people. Everybody's called to be evangelistic and to share the gospel, the good news around the world. Everybody's called to do that. Everybody's called teach. All of us in season, out of season, we're all called to do those things. So it's not like these five gifts are, oh, I can teach. You can't. No, we're all called to teach. We're not all teachers. We're not all prophets. We're not all apostles. Because the difference that the Bible says in Ephesians 4 is those gifts are called to train everybody to do them. So when people prophesy, that's the easiest one to use. Oh, you must be a prophet. No, 
I can tell you this, the greatest prophet that ever lived was John the Baptist. Those are Jesus' words. The greatest of all of them never prophesied. There's not one recorded. He may have done it, but it's not recorded. Well, how can he be the greatest prophet if he doesn't prophesy? What kind of prophet is that that doesn't prophesy? In Revelations 19.10, it says that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Prophecy is, in its very nature, it's applied in lots of different ways, but in its very nature is the introducing of Christ to the world. John, the reason he was the greatest, is because he got to tell everybody, there's a guy coming, whoa. He is going to blow your socks off. I'm not even worthy to to attach his sandals, to hook his sandals together. And he's going to baptize you in fire in the Holy Spirit. I'm just dunking you in the water for repentance from your sins. He's going to baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. John got to introduce the Savior. That's what the prophetic is for, is introduce the Savior to the world. And it doesn't matter whether they're saved or unsaved. It is, that's what the prophetic is about. So, um, we're gonna, let's go to the one that said, God prepares the way for Jesus. No, let's go to the next one. Even in the womb, go to the next one, Caleb. So here's Elizabeth and Mary. Mary is, Elizabeth is Mary's aunt. Mary is pregnant with told by Gabriel that she's going to have the Messiah, da-da-da. So she goes to spend time with her aunt. She walks up, who is pregnant six months before, started six months before, then Mary with the eventual John the Baptist, and the baby leaps in the womb at the presence of God. Now, I got no scientific explanation for that except for a spiritual one, which is John the Baptist. His whole job was to introduce his cousin to the world. And three months before being born, he is already on the job. Telling his mom, he's here, mom. He's here. He just walked in front of you, and he's here. And from that time on, that's what he did, was proclaim it. That is the nature of the prophetic. And all of us have that in us. So that's my second preamble. Let's go to the Holy Spirit gifts. There, and I'm just going to, because we've read this a lot, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Verse 7 says, Now each one of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. That is something you've got to hold on to when you're using spiritual gifts. Nothing distresses me more for somebody to see somebody using the gift as a club. And I've seen it lots. Blungeoning people for Jesus. I, I, I just, the revelation of Christ in our life is harsh enough. I remember when I realized who Jesus was, it was like, you're scum, Stan. And no one had to tell me that. I remember my brother came home from Vietnam. He was, my oldest brother was an atheist and he was railing on everything because we were going to go to Catholic church on mass that night. And he was railing on it. My other brother who wasn't Catholic was like, no, no, no. We find God in everywhere we go. And you, there's the absolute difference between the two is so obvious to me. This one was walking in the peace. They're both 
back on leave from Vietnam. One's walking in peace. The other one is walking in absolute bitterness and resentment. I'm a 12-year-old kid, and I'm like, I want that. So after we went to Mass, which with that Catholic church we were going to was in Latin, so I didn't understand any of it. But I went to a park about three blocks from my house. I remember exactly where it was. It's no longer there. It's an apartment building now. But there was a pine tree, and I sat under that pine tree and asked Jesus into my life because of the light that was in my brother. I could see it. It was there. No bludgeoning. Now, from that point on, I choose to stay on this side of the line for a long time, nine, ten years. And I had a lot of people come up and bludgeon me, lots of them, and I probably deserved it. But I also had a number of them that came up and just poured out the love of God, still using spiritual gifts, but poured out the love of God. And those are the ones who transformed me. Those are the ones where I went home, sat on the edge of my bed. I don't think I cried much back then. I was pretty bitter and hard, but thought, man, what is wrong with me? And it wasn't the ones who were bludgeoning me, telling me the obvious. No one needed to tell me I was a horrible human being. I already knew it. I needed to be told that there was something good inside of me, that there was somebody loved me, someone cared about me. That's what the gifts are for, for the common good. And then in verse 10, it says, to another miraculous power, to another prophecy, and to another distinguished spirits. This morning, we're going to talk about prophecy. And I want to go to this one. How important are the gifts of the Spirit, and what are they for? These are a whole bunch of mini sermons leading up to talking about specifically about the gift of prophecy. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, now he's going to die. He's leaving. He's, he's, he's going back to heaven and he's given the last commission to his disciples here. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always until the end of the age. Now, he, we can pretend that he's not just talking about lost people, and he's talking to his 12 saved dudes. He's not. This commission is for us to disciple everybody, to disciple one another. We're supposed to disciple anything or everything that moves. Because we all need to be discipled. No matter how old or how long you've been serving God, we need to be discipled and we need to disciple each other. From the mouth of babes. I don't have time to tell that story, but I would love to. So then, after he gives him this commission, he then, he's dead. He's been resurrected, hanging out with him for 40 days, and the angels are standing up there like, okay, we're ready to go, Jesus. We're here to take you back to heaven. Come on. I mean, they're, they're up in the clouds or something, you know, and they're tapping their feet. How long is he going to spend with these guys? They, he already spent three and a half years with them, and they don't have a clue. I'm being a little facetious. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command. Don't. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of the Father promise, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, I'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So 
He's been building them up to sending them out. They're doing all this stuff for him. And then he says, okay, here's the job. Go into all the world. And then just casually eating. Oh, by the way, don't. Go wait in Jerusalem. That would be confusing to me. Because I'm an action guy, so I'd have been like, okay, leave then so I can go. I got stuff to do. No, don't. Just go hang out in Jerusalem for a while. Seems a little confusing. But I think the disciples are much like me. They're confused many times of what exactly God wanted. Acts 2.14. So now the Holy Spirit comes, fire on top of their head. They go out and speak in tongues, and everybody hears the proclamation, and everybody's speculating. All the people there are speculating. Oh, they're drunk, which is really funny. I have never seen drunkenness make you able to talk in Russian or some other foreign language. You think you might be, but you aren't. Um, then, so then Peter stands up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy. But I'll tell you, when people tell me prophecy is dead, it's that, you know, God did away with it. This scripture just leaps right out and says, this was a whole purpose. This is a whole reason to wait in Jerusalem. This is the explanation to both the other 11 and to Peter himself and to everybody else around. Why did we wait in Jerusalem? So this could happen. And you're going to be able to prophesy to people. Your young men, now that's interesting, and I'm not sure, I, I'm, not, I'm not a Bible teacher, I'm a prophet, what can I say? But it, where it says young men, I looked that up in the Strongs, and it just means young, young. The man is added. And the same with the old men, it just means elder. So I'm not sure that the male qualifier sits there, but because it says your men and women, your young men and young women will prophesy, I think it says, your young people will see visions and your old people will dream. I don't, I, I'm not sure why there's a male qualifier there, but I, you know, if you are the theologian that knows that, go ahead and pull me aside and show me the way more perfectly. I'm more than open to it. But I believe women can have visions and dreams. In fact, I've met a lot of them that do, my kids, my wife, lots of people. So I think it's in there and I don't think that's a big deal. I don't, and I don't think, that Peter was trying to qualify anything. I was just saying, I think he was just saying, hey, this is what's going to happen because Joel's spirit's going to be poured out on all people. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven and above signs in the earth below, blood and fire and pillows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming and the great glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. I want you to notice in there, there's big deal stuff there. Miracles happening, all sorts of stuff. But also, the blood, sun's turned to darkness. I mean, this is serious stuff. Wonders in heaven above. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. It is like he's building up from your everyday life will be a prophetic walk before God. And these other amazing things will happen too. But oftentimes, the littlest things are the most amazing things. In fact, I... I it amazes me how many times we pray and we earnestly seek God and we're waiting for something to happen and it happens and we go, man, I can't believe that happened. 
Huh. I think God's up there saying, well, you asked. I told you I would do it. And now you're, well, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's good to be amazed at God. Even if, I'm not sure taking it for granted is the right thing. That's always a teaching that's troubled me. The assumption that God's going to answer your prayer. You've got to have confidence he's going to answer every prayer. I don't because I have lots of them he hasn't answered. I pray all the time to win the lottery and I don't. Um, I've won it in lots of other ways. I have all of you as friends, so that's a big deal. Oh, and this is a plug. Next fall, I'm going to teach a class on this. The prophetic nature of God, the prophetic nature of the church, the prophetic nature of his creation. Did you know his creation is prophetic? It says it cries out. In fact, Jesus said, if these people didn't cry out, there's very rocks would scream. Wow, that would have been amazing. That might have been more impressive than the people. But The prophetic nature of his people, us. I've already done Revelations 19.10. But I want to read it out of the Amplified, so let's go there. Why is prophecy important? Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. This is the angel. The Revel John the Revelator is, falls down at the angel's feet to worship him. But he stopped me and said, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and sisters who have held to the testimony of Jesus. Now that's amazing to me. Angels are a big deal. Supernatural, super powerful, angelic beings created by God. And they have incredible power. And this guy who's given John the revelation says, I'm just like you. I'm a servant of God. Wow, what a... So if you're a human being who has been really gifted by God and have done amazing things, and you're all that in a cup of cheese, you might want to listen to what this angel says. Because he has a reason to say in comparison to us that he's a cup of cheese. But he says, no, I'm a servant just like you. But that isn't the point of the scripture, or the point that I want to draw from the scripture. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. His life and teaching are the heart of prophecy. So when you prophesy, that's, what, that's the difference between a word of knowledge and a word of prophecy. Word of knowledge is just a statement of fact. Prophecy is to draw the person closer, to reveal the person to to help them have a revelation and see Jesus Christ. And I believe all prophecy does that. So I am going to share one prophecy I had. Um, it's a combination of vision, word of knowledge, prophecy. Me and my friends, Kevin, Eric, no, it wasn't, it was Lori. It was Lori and I. We were coming back from a conference in Park City, driving my truck down the mountain from Park City, and I have an open vision in which I'm no longer seeing the road. And I didn't stop, I'm still driving. And I'm in this river and all these fish are swimming by me and they're all fish of knowledge. I literally knew everything. Fish would, oh yeah, that's why that works. Oh, I mean, all the profound mysteries of the world. I'm not kidding, that's what it was. I have no other way to explain it. And then this fish swims up to me, looks me in the face and says, give $10,000 to ICS, Intermountain Christian School. Then it disappears. So I'm telling Lori, I just had an open vision. Oh, no, no, no. Her response is, you're driving. <laughs> Probably a good response. So I come back to the church, tell the elders. We didn't have a dime. We, didn't, we were struggling financially. 
So I, and my job as the person receiving the insight is just to give it. Now I'm an elder, so I had, had a vote, but I would, if they would have wanted me to, I would have abstained. But we, we got it together. We put the $10,000 together. Bill and, and Kurt went over to ICS. Corky, not Bill, sorry. Corky and, and, and Kurt went over to ICS, made an appointment with them. They sat in there and the guys said, so what do you want? He said, well, we have a guy that's prophetic in our church and he, he said, we're just supposed to do this, so we wanted to give you this. So they open it up and they're like, oh, could you excuse us for a moment? Sent them out of the room. They came back in and said, do you know what's happening in this to us? They're like, we know nothing. All we know is this guy said this week, we felt confirmed from God we were supposed to do it, so we're doing it. We just cut $220,000 from our budget. And we didn't know whether, we, we had no other. And so our prayer before you came into the room was, God, give us a sign that we did the right thing. And they took that as a sign, which they probably should have, which is really cool. Now, two cool things about it. One, to me, this is the coolest. We had a horrible, we had a school here, Salt Lake Christian Academy. We had a horrible relationship with ICS. Super competitive. It was, it was not good. Our actions on the field, our, all that, it wasn't good. This changed all of that. That's Christ. That prophetic action changed the atmosphere between our two schools. Now we have people that go here that have kids that have gone or are going to that school, which is really, really cool. The other thing was, and Kurt pointed this out to us, because God says you'll get tenfold what you give. Six months later, he comes and says, no, it was that by the end of the year, he goes, we made $100,000 more than we made last year. Ten times the amount we gave. Now, is that awesome or what? That's God. Big, little God. And it all started with not paying attention while you're driving. <laughs> Matthew 10. So this is another one. Jesus says this, but when they arrest you, do not worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through of you. That's prophetic. And you know what? That can happen anywhere, anytime. You don't have to be arrested. You can do it while you're talking to your boss. You can do it while you're in any situation. The Holy Spirit can, hey, Stan, do this. Do it. First Timothy, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid on their hands. So in this case, Timothy had the presbytery lay hands on him and a gift was given. At the end of this service, in a couple of minutes, we're going to have people come up to pray for you both to receive, if you've never been used in spiritual gifts or in prophecy, to receive that, so avail yourself of that if you'd like. But also, if the Holy Spirit speaks to them, to give you a prophecy, you'll want to tell them, I'm also here for a prophecy, if God has one for me. So we would like you, we want to make that opportunity for you at the end. First Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecy with contempt. So I had a prophecy for six women at a little home group, and all six of them, the prophecies were about their husbands who in their mind weren't serving God. And they all would like their husbands to serve God. One of them called me up at that night, two o'clock in the morning and said, do I have to pay any attention to what you said? I'm like, 
No, you don't. I would encourage you that if you don't think it was accurate, just put it on the shelf. It might come back. I'm a human being. I could be fallible. That's, I'm not, didn't mention that here, but that's one of the really nice things about being prophetic in the New Testament. You don't get stoned for being wrong. Hallelujah. You don't get stoned for making a mistake. God is, Christ's grace has allowed for that, which is really nice. And all six of them husbands are serving God to this day. And the one who called me two years later stood on our stage and gave a testimony about, which was a almost word for word quote of what I had prophesied to her about how wonderful it was that her husband is serving God. That is to me is so cool, not because I prophesied to him, but because it came true. God loved them so much that he spoke to them hope, spoke to them comfort, and then fulfilled it. Just so awesome. So I'm not, I was gonna go through all of 1 Corinthians 13, one through 33, but I'm not. But it says you all may prophesy. You all may prophesy. Now we probably don't have time for all 40 of you to prophesy on one Sunday morning service. That's the reason somebody sits up here and we had four this morning. I probably would have told the first person, hey, I think we have enough. Because I was preaching, I was already cut way short. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just that eventually, especially the cool thing was they're all confirming. They were all, it was clearly the Holy Spirit speaking, you know? And the truth is two or three, or, I don't know how many of you may have been sitting out there going, that's what I got. I felt the same thing. Cool, that's God speaking to you. That's how he starts to incubate that, the gift of prophecy in your life is by all of a sudden you realize, I was thinking the same thing. No, you weren't. The Holy Spirit came in and deposited inside of you. So you thought the same thing. That's how prophecy works. That's the way God, the Holy Spirit works in us. So I am not gonna read all of that. I am gonna go back to the first Timothy one, because here's Timothy, a really young guy who, I mean, this guy was really in it. Now, Paul teaches circumstances is nothing. Don't even worry about it. It doesn't mean anything anymore. The blood of Christ took care of that. You don't need to be circumcised anymore. So him and Timothy are traveling around together, and all of a sudden he says, you know where we're going? You're going to need to be circumcised. I tell you what, I'd have been like, what? Uh, let me, I got that written down right here in my notes where you said it doesn't matter. I don't understand that either. But it showed Timothy's heart. His heart was for the people. This is why, part of the reason why I think. Do not neglect your gift, which was given through you through prophecy when the body of elders laid hands on you. I know that in my own personal life, a huge amount of the empowerment I've had, the confidence that has been built, the faith that has been raised is by people who came and confirmed what was in me. They confirmed to me the gift of God that was in me, and it made a difference. Yes, I believe I heard God. Yes, I believe he told me. But you know, God is out there, and you're here. And when you come up and lay hands on me and confirm what I believe God is speaking to me already, 
man, does it build me up. Because then it's not me thinking, well, I'm just thinking this. I am a cup of cheese and all that. No, no, they think I am too. He just came and laid hands on me and said, you are a cup of cheese, dude. Come on. That's so important. That's why we use the gifts. It's not so we can give revelation to people. When you're using the gift, you, I would think 99% of the time, you're just confirming what the Holy Spirit is already speaking to the person, even if they're not saved. That's really cool. So we're going to avail ourselves for that today. That um, Those of you that I asked, I've asked a couple of people to pray for people, lay hands on people and pray for them. If you want to come forward now, that would be wonderful. And if you would like to get prayed for, or if you'd like to receive the gifts, um, I'm not exactly sure why it works that way, but laying hands on hands is a big deal and to God, and so it works. I know it works. Or if you want to receive a personal word, and come on forward with these people, and, and uh, let's do it. I don't know where they all went. Um, oh, there come O'Brien and, and, uh, and uh, see there, I lost it again. Brittany, thank you. Come on. And then, uh, so just come up to one, one of us. We'll, we'll be grouped up, and, and we'll pray for you. Lord, I just pray for every one of us that this Lord sits in our heart and our minds, that it challenges us, transforms us, and makes us look forward with hope of how you're going to use us to be the light of the world. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.